You're listening to locally produced programming created in KUNV Studios on public radio, KUNV 91.5. The content of this program does not reflect the views or opinions of 91.5 Jazz and More, the University of Nevada, Las Vegas, or the Board of Regents of the Nevada System of Higher Education. Good morning, dreamers and creators. You're tuned in to the City of Dreams Unveiled your monthly deep dive into the pulsing heart of Las Vegas' art and entertainment scene. I'm your host, Jeff Lund, here to peel back the layers of creativity and inspiration that fuel our city's most innovative minds. Today, we're kicking off our very first episode of two extraordinary local talents who have made a significant waves in the realms of performance and visual arts. We have with us today the incomparable Shannon Calcutt and the master of emotional expression through clowning and performance art, and the brilliantly creative Ruben Permel, a visual artist and costume designer whose work adds vibrant layers to the fabric of our city. We'll explore the unique artistic journeys, delve into the stories behind the local successes, and get a sneak peek into what's on their creative horizons. So buckle up. Turn up the volume and let's dive into the inspiring world of artistry and imagination right here in our very own City of Dreams. As we embark on the journey through the City of Dreams, it's my absolute pleasure to introduce our first guest, a true beacon of artistic brilliance in the world of performing arts. Ladies and gentlemen, joining us today is the incredible, talented Shannon Calcutt. Shannon is not only a performer, she's a storyteller, a clown, and an artist who brings a unique blend of humor, emotion, and raw humanity to the stage. Her journey in the performing arts has been nothing short of extraordinary. With a career spanning over two decades, Shannon has captivated the audiences not just here in Las Vegas, but across the globe. Her performances, often marked by a delightful blend of comedy and poignant moments, have redefined the art of clowning. She's a graduate of the esteemed Della Arte International School of Physical Theater and has graced stages from Cirque du Soleil to theaters around the world. But what truly sets Shannon apart is her ability to connect with her audience, to bring laughter and tears, sometimes in a single act, and to leave the lasting impression that goes well beyond the final curtain. So without further ado, let's give a warm welcome to the one and only Shannon Kelcutt. Shannon, thank you for being here and for adding your unique color to the canvas of our city of dreams. Thank you for having me, Jeff. And now let's turn the spotlight to a man whose artistic vision transcends the ordinary, creating a visual language that speaks volumes in both subtle and grandeur. I am thrilled to introduce Ruben Permel, a visionary in the world of visual artists and costume design. Ruben isn't just an artist. He's a creative alchemist, skillfully blending textures, colors, and ideas to transform fabric and materials into wearable art. His work is a celebration of expression, each piece telling a story that's as intricate as it is captivating. A Las Vegas gem, Ruben's journey is a testament to innovation and persistence. His brand, Act to Act, is not just a label, it's a narrative of transformation and rebirth reflecting his personal evolution as an artist. His costumes and designs are more than attire. They are statements, each a unique exploration of identity and culture. His portfolio is vibrant tapestry, showcasing a diverse range of projects from theater to film, exhibitions to runway shows. Ruben's ability to capture the essence of a character or theme through costume design has earned him acclaim and admiration both locally and beyond. Let's welcome 
the immensely talented Ruben Permel to City of Dreams. Ruben, it's an honor to have you with us here and sharing your journey and extraordinary vision. Wow, what a way to wake up in the morning. It's really nice to hear that, and I'm so excited about being here today. Well, I'm super excited to have both of you here as well. Shannon, let's start off. Um, Every artist has a beginning. Can you take us back to where your love of performance and clowning first started? I think it was uh, growing up. I grew up in a small town, and there wasn't a lot of theater. By a lot, I mean there was no theater. (laughs) So I grew up on television, um, and I watched sitcoms like The Carol Burnett Show and uh, The Golden Girls and Three's Company, Red Skelton Show. And I think my very first moment of thinking, oh, was seeing Carol Burnett walk down the stairs uh, as Scarlett O'Hara in Gone with the Wind. And she was wearing a dress that looked like a curtain. She had a curtain rod. Bob Mackey did all the the costumes uh, for The Carol Burnett show. And so it looked like the curtain and she walked down the stairs and um, uh, she said uh, she got a compliment on her dress and she said, well, I saw it in the window and I just knew I had to have it. And that was just such a wonderful moment of utter ridiculousness that I just thought, yeah, this is this is wonderful. This is play. This is fun. And um, I got really inspired by Carol Burnett and um, Betty White um, be Arthur, do you know, just these women who were really funny and bold and fearless. And so I think just wanting to express myself fearlessly in that way, not knowing at that time what clowning was, do you know, just feeling that connection to these strong, fearless women. I love that. And the two words that stuck out to me were play and fearless. And I know throughout your career, you've taken those two, those two words and built a business around that and built who you are. So talk a little bit more about play. Well, I think everything comes from play. Do you know, as we play as children, we form relationships, connections, uh, curiosity. And then as you get older, you sort of start to lose your sense of play a little bit because you start to care about how you look. Mm-hmm. <laughs> There's suddenly stakes when you're a teenager, you know, and how you dress, how you appear, how you speak. Everything starts to have a bit of an edge to it, I suppose. Um, but if you can hang on to that not caring, do you know, in the sense of just having the freedom to express who you are, that all comes through play. Um, we spent spend rather a good time in our lives I think trying to hide our feelings and trying to hide who we are Um, where in the art form of clown you show exactly who you are do you know the good the bad the ugly the gorgeousness the ridiculousness the beauty the stupidity and um, you just have joy in expressing all of your emotions and so there's this um innate playfulness in all of us, right? It's always there. It's ready to come out. We just sort of have to be willing to give it permission and to find that freedom of expression. That's excellent. You were you also use the word clown. So explain to me, did you know you wanted to be a clown? Like you are a professional clown. Yes. <laughs> and most people probably think that's not a real job. Right. But literally you have made a life out of being a clown. Yeah. Yeah, I don't know that I always knew I wanted to be a clown. I don't think I even understood what that meant, really. Do you know? Um, 
I did a Bachelor of Fine Arts at the University of Victoria in Canada, and we did character mask, which was a full mask, so we didn't speak. And I played um, a senior, kind of an older guy in his 80s who believed he was the John Travolta from Saturday Night Fever kind of thing. And that was just so fun because I got to play this character and express myself physically. And... um, a lot of the professors uh, said, you, you're a clown, you know, you need to be a clown. I thought, oh, okay. <laughs> and I wasn't cast a lot, you know, I was in the acting program. But um, suddenly, all eyes were on me kind of thing. So that's how I found the Delarte School in California, and which was a physical theater program with melodrama and corporeal mime and physical improv and clowning. And um, the instructor was Canadian and taught the Canadian art form, which is founded by by Richard Pachenko, which is basically facing yourself from all directions at once and really celebrating your humanness and your ridiculousness. So that just clicked for me. And um, yeah, being able to show exactly who you are and accepting yourself. I mean, absolute self-acceptance. And so as a writer, as a performer, as a director, as a mom, as a wife, as a friend, everything I do is influenced by clown because it is just absolute freedom from self-doubt, from depression, from anxiety, from really, you know, caring so much about what people think. It's just a celebration of yourself. And if someone was like, I want to do a career change and leave my nine to five, Monday through (laughs) Friday and become a clown, like, What's the steps or, you know, you're not going to do a Google search for clown jobs. Right. Because then you're going to end up at birthday parties. For sure. (laughs) For sure. Yes. Well, there's the clown school. That'll come up in Los Angeles, Mm -hmm. right? Um, There's lots of places to take workshops in clowning. I mean, I recommend a clown workshop for every human on the planet Mm -hmm. because, again, it's just you're going to play, you're going to connect with other people, and you're going to embrace who you are. And they're going to embrace who you are. And that's just joyful. That's just an explosion of joy. So I would say take some workshops and play. If you want to work professionally, get in front of an audience. Just find places to play in front of an audience. And that will absolutely... um, you know, give you knowledge about how the work is being presented, how you are presented in front of an audience, and that will fuel your creativity and your material. Mm -hmm. And it all stems from there. Absolutely. Yeah. I mean, you just get up and fail. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Do you know, you get up and fail gloriously and sooner or later you're failing better and better and better. And suddenly you're on fire and it's working and it's glorious. And then you'll flop again, yep. Do you know, but that's part of the joy. I mean, the clown in the fail doesn't deny that experience. They let the audience know they're bombing and the audience is part of that flop, which is such a wonderful experience as well. In life, we try to hide our failures, right? We're on Facebook with our enhanced looks and our, you know, our photoshopped image, you know, and uh, in Clown, you're just absolutely in the flop showing the audience, yeah, I thought this was going to be hilarious. It's not working, is it? (laughs) (laughs) And they're with you on that experience. And I think that's a, it's a true artist statement that you're going to fail regardless of what your medium is or your art is. And it's just who's going to pick themselves back up and, you know, take the next step or go the next day or come up with the, the next idea. Absolutely. Well, and to find the joy in failure. I mean, particularly in comedy, you know, you you have an idea of what's going to work. And quite often the material you're going to cut right before you go on gets the best reaction. Do you know? You're always surprised. Um, so, yeah, it's all about just getting back up, getting back out there. And if you can find that joy in the flop, then then you're set. 
And you can do it over and over and over again. Over and over, yeah. and over again. Um, Talk to me about the different audiences that you've you know, performed with around the world. So if you work for a big circus production in Las Vegas, right. that's going to be a completely different audience than if you're doing you know, just a one-woman show at the Fringe Festival. Yeah. Talk to me what how you adjust to those audiences. I think, I mean... Any audience is a wonderful audience, right? Because <laughs> you're making that connection. Certainly at the Cirque, you're playing to around a thousand people a night. Um, so yeah, there's more. There's more laughter. There's more applause. Um, when I was doing my one woman shows, you know, a big audience would be 300. I was often playing in smaller venues, 150 people, kind of thing. And that is probably my happiest place because you can see everyone in the room. Um, you can see everyone's facial expressions. There's that real connection. Um, you're bringing audience members on stage. There's a different intimacy in a small audience like that. Um, so that's probably my favorite. And even, to be honest, the Canadian Fringe Festival circuit is where I started. And those are my greatest memories, you know. Um, the Winnipeg Fringe Festival, uh, you know, those connections with the audience were more meaningful to me than the Sydney Opera House, for example, right? So it's it's not the venue, it's, it's the intimacy for me, right? It's that connection and... Um, and meeting your audience as well. You know, when I toured the Fringe and I played smaller venues, you'd meet your entire audience. You know, I, I had a Fringe holdover. I think it was in Vancouver. Um, I won Best Female Performer, so you get an extra show. Well, <laughs> I think eight or nine people came to that show, right? And so it's this celebration, ooh, holdover. And there's, you're sort of going, are those the ushers? But no, that's your audience. And I remember getting a standing ovation from an audience of eight. Well, that's a lot more meaningful than a standing ovation from an audience of a thousand people. Do you mm -hmm. know what I mean? So um, I don't know. I mean, small theater matters. And uh, I really love that connection. It's amazing. Ruben, where did you begin your journey? Um, like Shannon, I too was, um, I'm a little older, so I was a kid of the 70s, and I was a TV kid. And back in those days, the olden days, there was only three channels on TV. But there was one channel that if the antenna on top was at the right angle, you got to see PBS. And that's where I found a new world things like Sesame Street, Electric Company, Mr. Rogers' Neighborhood. And in these shows, um, they had these things called puppets. And um, I was intrigued. I was able to create these kind of characters at home, and they taught me a lot of life lessons. And from that point on, um, I think I was kind of changed. I, I, I said, how can I create these, create these kind of things in my own home? And I was a very like introvert, quiet kid, very overweight, very like shy. I wouldn't talk to anybody, but I was able to create these characters in my bedroom or at home and play. And I think from that point on, I discovered myself. And you know, being a TV kid, I said, oh, I just want to be you know on the Swiss Family Robertson, or I just wanted to be on the News Zoo Review. And uh, fortunately, years and years later, I ended up on TV, which was really great, but it was about playing. Again, we go back to playing. And um, that childhood things, those memories, it got me out of my shell. It got me um, into classes. I started dancing. I grew up in a family where we danced in the living room on the weekends. And um, back in the Saturday Night Fever days in Greece, I, we would have these dance contests at the VFW Hall, and I would just go out there and shine. And my mom always wondered, she was like, I won't even ask anybody what time it is, but I would get out on stage and dance like John Travolta, 
and win prizes and things like that. So that set me on my journey into dance, which I discovered a lot, which really makes a big difference of where I came from and understanding who I am as a performer, understanding the body and movement that that not only can you be these kind of characters, but your body can express these things. So for me, it was playing in front of a mirror, playing in a dance studio, playing on stage. I'll tell you today, Jeff, the safest place I feel in the world is on stage, believe it or not. People think it's scary, but somehow when you go on there and you're in this environment of people, you want them to do good. When I go see a Broadway show or if I go into a bar to see a band member, I want them to be great. And sometimes we tend to forget that um, that sometimes that everybody wants to come see a good show. So no matter what I do, no matter how I try, that is the goal there. And if I can entertain them, it makes a huge, huge difference. Just connecting with people. Um, so that was a big influence with me. Just playing with puppets, playing with my life, playing with uh, the idea that I don't have to be like anyone else. And that kind of led me on my path. That's amazing. Where are you from originally? I'm from Norfolk, Virginia. I was my dad was in the Navy, and we were in. Uh, I grew up in this small little town, and we were close to New York, which was really great. I was lucky enough to uh, get into a performing arts school in high school back in the fame days, and I went to school and I learned how to dance and sing and act, and to put costumes on and build sets, and it made a huge difference. And there I was, you know, I was in school at 17 and I lied about my age and auditioned for summer stock. I got summer stock. I didn't go to my prom. I didn't go to my graduation. All I wanted to do was perform. And the fact that I could go down in summer stock where you got paid, like, I think my paycheck was like $67 a week, but I thought I was a star and I loved every minute of it and I haven't stopped. And, um, that has, has taught me through the years that no matter where you are at what level, um, if you're happy at what you're doing, it's going to make a big, big difference. So Virginia led to New York, traveling to, I was on the road for about 15 years touring with shows. I worked behind the scenes, on the stage, anywhere I could work in the business. Um, I made it happen. And I kind of pride myself in the fact that I've never had a real job my entire life. And I'm getting up there in years. <laughs> <laughs> well, if you love what you do, it is never a day of work. So how did you, so you really started your entertainment career as a performer. How did you transition into, you know, a costume designer, um, a visual artist and where you're at today? Um, well, I was doing summer stock and, and I was a very good dancer. I was very good at picking up things. So um, there was an audition in my town in Virginia. They were needing a puppeteer for a production that was going out on tour. And since I was very good at doing choreography, they just needed someone to learn something really fast. So I uh, went in for this call. I started doing marionettes, which I had never stepped in before. Uh, two weeks later, I'm in D.C. opening up the old post office, doing a tour of puppetry things. And I so I stayed with the company. They ended up letting go of the person who was there. They hired me. In five years, I spent doing puppetry. It's where I learned how to sew. That's when I learned how to make um, foam costumes. I was able to just create, create shows, work on movie and sound and television. And it's really made a big, big difference. So when I went back into dancing and I would tour and do different shows and regional theater and dinner theaters, they always need help. And I remember being at a theater and there was doing Ziegfeld Follies was the next show and they just needed people to put feathers on costumes because there was so much. So I would go there in the costume shop and start putting it on and gluing and sewing. And the next thing I know, they said, do you want to design our show? And I was in the middle of Illinois and I know they gave me $300 to do a funny 
um, thing happened on the way to the forum, and I was like, wow, that's a lot of money. And um, and I did it, and it was great. And I was, uh, it, it let me see that I can create things with any with nothing on stage. And I found that just as exciting as being on stage, that I can make people look beautiful. And the advantage I think I have is I've been on stage for so much, for so long that I, I, I know how they feel. I know how they, a costume makes a big difference. I know that how the comfort, how they look and character makes a really big difference. So kind of being on both ends of it made a big difference. And it just, it just kind of spiraled after that. I did national tours of Broadway shows. Um, as the head of wardrobe, and um, I didn't know anything different. I just said, get on a bus, go, you're going to tour the world, and I did. I love, like, your self-confidence in what you do is is so strong, and same with you, Shannon. Of course, you know, we've had good careers, you know, we've been around. How, what can you give for advice for someone who might not have that, you know, on the younger part of their career, just starting out? Like, for me, you just talked about you did it like you showed up and you did it was there any fear in doing it back then the great thing about being young there's very little fear you just want to be there and you said the, the perfect word showing up making a difference following through this is one of my philosophies i may not be the most talented the best artist the best photographer the best designer but i'm the hardest working person in the room and it makes a difference and just following through with that, working hard, and being proud of your work makes a difference. And people want to be around people who are creative, people who say, do what they're saying, um, and and show up every day. And it's 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 not just being the costume designer; it's be able to b- go up on stage and moving the chair, or helping with the lights, or telling the actors if you just make a slight adjustment, you'll look better on stage than you do. Um, uh, in the scene before. So it, it, it's a big part of it. And I love the fact that I have a background in all of it. And it makes a difference when I come, uh, when I come on any other project. Yeah. And I think that's a huge part of it too. Like knowing the different parts of the industry and, you know, everything from costume design to stage management to technical, like that just builds a, you know, a base of like that self-confidence that you get over the years. Yeah, it's really helping, especially, you know, to all of a sudden walk into a big company like Cirque du Soleil. And I was scared. I remember when uh, Ka opened here and I, they brought me in in 2004 um, to Las Vegas. It's the first time I've been here for 20 years. And being in the first room and you're seeing the set designer who created the Palladium. And then you have Robert Lepage, who just won the Oscar in Canada for films. And then you have the best lighting designer. And I was scared, but it's the best place to be because it makes you step up. It says, okay, I'm going to make a difference and I'm following through and I'm going to watch what everybody else is doing. And, and that's my advice. Be there, show up and work hard. And working for Cirque du Soleil, you work with the best in the world. Absolutely. Shannon, you're, you've got experience with them. Yeah, well, and I think there too, it's just the discipline is so inspiring. I mean, the athletes in the show are magnificent and watching them every day train, right? And that it's this never-ending process. Um, I did a workshop this summer with Bill Irwin, who is an, an award-winning clown. And um, every day he's rehearsing. 
before the workshop, right? So it's not that all of a sudden you reach a point in your career and you stop and go, yeah, I've got this. <laughs> you know, yes. you're always learning, you're always expanding, you're always trying to improve, you're always wanting to grow. And I think the wonderful thing about theater, um, which is where I have the most experience, is it's it is a collaboration, right? As Ruben's talking about the costume and even Carol Burnett, you know, coming down the stairs in that dress, that is a collaboration with her and the costume designer, right? It's like that team where we are all here to make each other look good and there's that real sense of community and that we're putting something together together as a team um it's just really energizing to be a part of something like that and to know that it's not all about you it's all about what you're sharing with the audience right and that you're all working together to achieve something is um really invigorating Mm -hmm. In your career, have you ever hit a wall or self-doubt that you were like, I'm I'm done being oh, a clown? All the time. And and how <laughs> did you how did you turn that around to be like, no, this is who I am and I just keep moving forward? I just drop in the clown. I mean, do you know, when things go wrong in life, I hate it. <laughs> and when things go wrong on stage, I love it. So it's just yeah, I mean self-doubt is part of the package. I I believe it's always there. And um you just go on with it. You embrace it. This is part of me. Um, I'm working on some new material right now, and I'm having outrageous self-doubt. So I've told myself, I'm way ahead of schedule. <laughs> <laughs> I shouldn't be having a crisis to, uh, for another six to eight weeks. So, you know, it's like the clown would just go, great, you're ahead of schedule. Embrace it, you know? I mean, you've got to get uncomfortable when you're creating something from nothing. Mm-hmm. Um that's just part of the process. Yep. Um, I don't. I'm, I don't think you'll ever reach a point... Or, if you do, great. But, uh, you know, self-doubt, um, I think, is just part of creating something new. Yep. Yeah. And I think that translates to all careers with everybody out there. You get to a certain point, you know, you've done something for 20 years and it's like, what's next? Absolutely. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. And, you know, why take the safe route? Do you know? Uh, uh, take the risk. Risk failure. I mean, you're going to grow through these uncomfortable moments. And that's really, I think, where you're going to find that permission to shine when you've pushed yourself to go a little bit further, you know, rather than staying somewhere because it's safe. I don't know if you're going to find your joy there. So sometimes it's worth taking that risk and, and you can be really wonderfully surprised. And what have you got to lose? (laughs) <laughs> exactly. What have you got to lose? Life is I short. Mean, life is very short. Exactly. Mm-hmm. So fail big, fail gloriously, right? You'll have a story to tell, mm-hmm. right? You'll have something to talk about. Really, really go big. Yep. I mean, when people take my workshops, I say, uh, you know, come on in and I want you to take risks today. So, um, you know, so that if you're going to be so brilliant that, you know, if there's a casting director here, you'd have your series, you'd have your book deal, you'd have your tour or, you know, drive home praying for death because you were so terrible, right? Mm-hmm. So it's like, take that risk. Don't don't drive home thinking, oh, yeah, I had an idea, but I I didn't try it or this could have worked. But uh, yeah, maybe maybe next time. Do you know, it's like yes. we're all just here to grow together and we've all got each other's backs or we certainly should. Right. We should be supporting each other to take those risks and to to discover a new part of ourselves, which we're probably not going to find in the safe zone. Yes. Ruben, what's one risk that you've taken over the in your career as an artist? Well, first of all, I'm getting a little emotional here because I'm really connecting to a lot of what Shannon is saying. And I think the 
the biggest risk that I ever take that I've ever taken is to just kind of show who I am. A few years back, I went on a reality TV show and I was a very overweight. I was in a bad point in my life and I showed the world who I was. And what became of it is that I work hard and I'm a winner and it makes a huge difference. So in that thing of just being vulnerable to the world, millions of viewers, it made a big difference to me. So it, it, it also is a, the takeaway is that I can be fearless and, I, and it's going to be okay. Recently, uh, this summer, I did um, a workshop of a solo show that I helped develop in a writing class. And I told stories and, that connected with people and I told secrets that connected with people. And ultimately, those risks paid off. It was also very um, healing for me to say it's okay and people, people, when we watch a TV show, when we go see theater, when we just learn, lose, listen to music, it's all about that connection. And so anytime I can take those kind of rips, uh, risks by jumping off the ledge and saying, let's see what happens, I find to be the most exciting part of my career or my life. Um, we do it every day. When we get up in the morning, like, what am I going to do today that's differing? And at the end of the day, do you say, like, okay, I did this, I accomplished this, maybe I could do something a little better next year, next time, but today was great. I love that. So we've reached the end already. I feel like we should do this again at some point because we've got a lot more to dive into. Um, to our listeners, thank you for tuning in and being a part of this journey through the heart and soul of Las Vegas's creative community. Remember, art is all around us in the performances we watch, the clothes we wear, the food we eat, and the conversations we share. It's what makes our city of dreams, you know, who we are, which is super exciting. So don't forget to join us on the next episode, airing February 25th at 9.30 a.m., where we'll unveil more stories, more dreams, and more inspiring conversations with the artists who shape the world around us. Until then, keep dreaming, keep creating, and keep embracing the art that makes life so rich and vibrant. This is Jeff Lund signing off from Cities of Dreams Unveiled. Have a wonderful day, and we'll see you next time.